Welcome to the Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your happiness practice. Did you know that you can practice being happy? We have a motto around here that says, happiness is a skill. And I like that because skills can be practiced and developed. Now, disclaimer here, for those suffering from a chemical imbalance that leads to severe depression, get the support that you need in order to see the changes that will help you reconnect with joy and happiness. Today's episode is on accepting and building, and I'm going to accept the fact that I have a very noisy puppy sitting here next to me, and I'm going to build on how cute he is and how much I enjoy having him with me. So I'm sorry if he's distracting. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host of episode 130 of the Happiness Playbook, and I'll be your cheerleader and mentor on your journey to develop habits of happiness that will lead to greater joy and well-being but I can't do all the lifting. My hubby, McKay, has started weightlifting, and he loves his coach, Jake. Jake is creative, supportive, and consistent. When McKay shows up, Jake is ready with a workout designed to build personalized strength and endurance. But guess what? McKay has to show up in more ways than just walking into the gym. He has to follow Jake's instructions, He has to keep his commitments with Jake and work. He can't just pay Jake and voila, McKay gets stronger. And that brings us to our Happiness Playbook team huddle. This is where we own up to our efforts. Did we show up with last week's Play of the Week? Are we putting in the work? Each week, I try to leave you with an idea that you can practice to improve your happiness skills. I love it when I hear from friends how it went for them. I would love to hear from more of you. If you get a chance, go back and leave a comment on the Happiness Playbook Instagram post for last week's episode or Play of the Week and tell us how it went. Did you have any wins? Did you find the challenge harder than you thought? Last week for the Play of the Week, I asked you to practice letting go and playing with bliss. We talked about celebrating the little things with enthusiasm and loving whatever it was. Maybe it was a patch of blue sky after all this rain, or in my lucky case, seeing my grandkids who lived seven hours away when they came for a visit. Were you able to cherish your happy thought and treasure the idea or moment that brought a smile to your face? Did you let go and play with a spark of happiness and then fan it into flames of joy by flexing your emotions into a feeling of intense gratitude and bright happiness. I did this with the grandkids when they first arrived. I hugged them and squealed with delight. Then I hugged them again, and when I released them, they were smiling from ear to ear, and guess what? So was I. Okay, okay, for all you grandparents out there, you may be thinking, that's an easy one. I did it with my dog, too even when he had the inevitable accident that a six-month-old puppy will be prone to. This dog is definitely feeling loved. Loving a grandchild or a puppy is one thing, but what about yourself, warts and all? Want to know a secret? Everyone has some type of proverbial wart. Some are not seen and others are more noticeable, but no one is perfect no matter what the Instagram filters try to sell us. 
In this era of overwhelming exposure to others' filtered, curated, and edited images, it's easy to fall prey to obsessing about our own shortcomings. We may even try to erase that part of ourselves that we perceive as unattractive or unacceptable. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be anyone's killjoy when it comes to improving their self-image with a new outfit, a workout routine, or even some plastic surgery to each his or her own. I am going to throw down, though, and say that there is an elusive fine line between dissatisfaction with our perceived flaws and going past what is a healthy self-image. Of late, there was a lot of talk about Madonna and how she's completely changed her appearance. Being a young adult of the 80s, I remember her as an attractive, powerful woman who was so comfortable in her skin that she did a coffee table book of pictures in just her skin. She has a quirky gap between her front teeth and initially, at least in her career, she carried more weight. So think of like Marilyn Monroe. And it seemed like she was standing out against the perfection of supermodels like Cindy Crawford with their perfect dimensions and flawless features. So... I had to go check out what all the hate and abhorrence online was about. Wow, Madonna has definitely crossed that line big time. Thanks to the number of plastic surgeries on her face, Madonna is now the antithesis of aging gracefully. To go a totally different direction, how many of how many of you know who Audrey Hepburn was? She was the epitome of aging gracefully. She was an iconic movie star of the 60s and 70s with her pixie-cut hair and striking designer dresses. I was amazed to learn that despite being America's sweetheart and fabulously successful movie star heartthrob, she thought ill of some of her attributes. She thought she was too skinny, that her eyes were misshaped. She thought she was too short. I share these stories to convince you that self-acceptance is not about your perfection or attaining a standard that once reached, you'll suddenly feel peace and joy about yourself. Some of my favorite people are those that love themselves despite the proverbial warts. I think it's because they've learned to accept themselves. And when someone is comfortable in their own skin, they make others around them feel more at ease. So, What is this magic self-acceptance and how do we get some? Here's a definition I like from positivepsychology.com. There's an article talking about self-acceptance and I'll put a link in the show notes. It's an article by Kelly Miller and it's talking about 16 uh, exercises to do to improve your self-esteem. This definition is Self-acceptance is the ability to see oneself as a whole person with virtues and flaws. Here's a story about me and my virtues and flaws. If you've listened to other episodes of the Happiness Playbook, I'm sure you've figured out that I'm a great fan of pickleball. I love being outside in the air. I love the time with my friends, and I just love playing the game. I love playing it so much that I'm okay with my pickleball warts. Shh, I can't hit a lob to save my life yet. And I sometimes pop up the ball too often for my partner's 
idea of an ideal partner. But I still love playing pickleball. Even when I lose a match, and I often do, I will remember how much I love playing the game. And sometimes when we lose a match, it's after a lot of great shots. Actually, more great shots than bad ones. But the other team might have had even more great shots. Well, this week I was thrilled to get a call from my friend Joan. She's considered a pickleball ambassador of sorts in our area. She's played for years. She's competent, competitive, and she has some major skills. She goes to tournaments and wins. I have no illusions that I'm in her league. Nevertheless, when she called me out of the blue to sub in for someone in the regular round robin set, I jumped at the chance. I had to do a lot of positive self-talk all the way to the park and during the eight games, which I lost every one of, but that's okay because I still loved playing. And I wasn't the only one making mistakes. Some of the better players hit an out ball or popped it up at times. Despite my less than flawless games, I did play my best. I learned some things and I made six new pickleball friends and I had fun. This is a major victory for me. A few years ago, I would not have been able to walk away from that without some serious emotional pain and disappointment, such that I would be telling myself, I don't deserve to play pickleball because I am a loser. Honestly, I have had therapy to better deal with such disappointments in myself and negative self-talk. And if you find that negative talk tape in your head is too hard to turn the volume down or better yet, turn off, you can get help from therapists specializing in self-acceptance. Personally, I find this kind of therapy super important and valuable. When we accept ourselves, we're acknowledging that we're human, just like the rest of humanity. And all those supernovas on the social media feeds, guess what? There's some warts that they're not putting on display. Everyone has flaws. Some are more visible than others. And once again, the curating that goes on with our social media feed doesn't help our belief that we're among the few losers privileged to hang out with all of those shiny, perfect winners. Seriously, though, no one is perfect. No one excels at everything. Everyone, if they're privileged to do so, will age and grow old, let alone be struck with a disfiguring disease at some point in your life. For me, when I eat gluten, because it attacks my cerebellum, one of my symptoms is slurred speech and an unsteady gait or walk. I would rather no one saw these things, but guess what? I also want to go to the store and buy groceries and keep commitments that I've made directing for the current play. Gratefully, with awareness, these episodes of gluten ataxia are fewer and farther between, thanks to some lifestyle changes. I'll be honest, when I was first diagnosed with gluten intolerance, I was angry. I did not want to accept it, but I was also desperate. I had tried many different things to improve my health, and after going off of gluten and seeing positive results, I accepted the diagnosis, and I have since built on it, making dietary adjustments and being a support for some of my children who also deal with gluten intolerance. 
By accepting the diagnosis and moving forward, I found greater peace and joy than I had in years. I still wish I could erase this part of who I am, but so far I can't, and trying to do so by ignoring the reality of my health challenges would not serve me in even the short run, let alone the long run. I sometimes indulge in hating all the other lucky people who can eat gluten with nary a care, but then I remember that my gluten intolerance has brought me a lot of positive things as I've sought to solve this problem with diet and exercise. I've also developed emotional resilience as I've accepted this part of me without judgment of self or comparison with others. After all, who knows what battles others are dealing with that I'm unaware of. Acceptance of self is a powerful happiness play that is applicable to all cultures, ages, genders, and any other defining category. We hear a lot about the damaging effects of social media these days in youth. I think it has to do with the comparative nature of this media. The picture-perfect post can fan the flames of insecurity and cause us to doubt our worth when we compare it with all of our known flaws with the f- and when we compare our flawed image with the filtered image and perfect life portrayed in some social me- media influencer accounts. No wonder we feel like we come up short. No wonder the rising generation is more anxious than the previous one, pre the social media deluge we're all swimming through today. If you notice yourself or your child or someone you love feeling more negative about their self-image, here are some steps you can take to shore up your self-acceptance or help them with their self-acceptance and improve their self-image. Here are five that you can try. And if you want more exercises, I'll leave a link in the show notes to the article by Kelly Miller called 16 Self-Acceptance Exercises and Activities for Adults. But these will work with teenagers as well. This article is found in Positive Psychology. And again, I'll leave that link on our show notes. The first idea she shares is start with self-compassion. And I think this is interesting because you have to be present in order to do this. So many times we're walking around throwing all this negative talk at ourselves, and it's at a subconscious level. We don't even realize it. And then, and then we recognize, I feel crappy. I don't like myself. But we don't, um, we're not present enough to hear what's causing us to feel that way, which is the negative self-talk. So be present when you're talking to yourself and notice what tone you use. Would you talk to someone else the way that you talk to yourself? If not, there's some work to do. All right, the second idea, because we are not perfect, accept that there will be mistakes. I made lots of mistakes playing pickleball, but if I had dwelt on them instead of letting go and playing, I would have made many more mistakes with my friend Joan and her friends. So, Forgive yourself for those errors or for not being 5'10 or whatever shortcoming you're dwelling on presently. One of the best things for my pickleball game of late has been watching a a few pro matches. You see, my mind tells me that if I was good enough, I'd never hit a ball into the net or out of bounds. If I was good enough at reading the play, no one would be able to get a ball past me. But guess what happens in a pro match? They occasionally hit it out or into the net, and 
amazing, points are scored when the other team gets a ball past a defending player. And sometimes that player's team comes back and wins the match. Watching the pros make mistakes helps me accept that mistakes are a part of the game at all levels. And this thought helps to shut down my comparative negative self-talk so I can get back to thinking about what I'm trying to do in the moment instead of regretting a mistake in the past. All right, a third idea. One of the hats I wear playing pickleball has a cat on the front. I wear it because it reminds me to be curious like a cat instead of rushing to judgment and condemnation of myself or others. When you notice that negative self-talk, reply with something like, hmm, this is interesting. How curious. How fascinating. I wonder what's going on to cause me to have these thoughts. A great thing I like to ask myself is, what can I learn from this? You don't have to believe everything you think. All right, number four. Today, playing pickleball, I made a lot of bad shots. I hit some return of serves out, which is rare for me. I missed a couple of serves, and that's also rare. It was windy, which takes some of the blame off, but the other players were all playing in the same weather as I was, and they made less errors. But if I beat myself up about that, I won't ever get to their level of play because I won't want to go back and play with them. I have to start somewhere. And accepting where we are is so important if we sincerely want to progress in our goals. In full disclosure, I did make a few respectable shots as well. All right, this last idea I'm going to share is this skill of self-acceptance is really kind of a two for one. As you get better as accepting your humanity, warts and all, guess what? You'll get better at understanding that others also have flaws and that we would all be better served by accepting them where they are at as well. Seeing others and their self as a whole person is vastly important. No one should be defined by one label or one attribute. We're multifaceted, evolving, stretching, and growing intelligences whose outlook can change from day to day based on what info we're taking in. In fact, because of the plasticity of our brains, they are very good at changing and evolving. So don't get up, give up if you find it's challenging to shut off the negative talk and switch to validating others and yourself. I think part of the reason my grandkids like to be with me is because I try to validate their efforts. If you want to talk about imperfect human, they can't drive a car. They can't write a meaningful paragraph, cook dinner, plan a menu, hit a pickleball, and one of them can't even use the toilet. But I don't let these societal shortcomings define them. They are in a state of development and growth, and therefore I need to give them grace, which I am happy to give them. So why is it more challenging to give the same grace to others? Like the guy who honks at you even though you were making a safe lane change, or the kid in your school that struggles with appropriate interactions and can't carry on a normal conversation. 
Why do we insist on defining them by that one facet of their existence? Can we step back and accept that they too, as are all of us, are in a state of development and growth? If we can do this, we will be in a position to build on this understanding. And that might look like forgiving the other driver instead of carrying around anger and judgment all day. Maybe it's a sincere to hello, a sincere hello to that kid that doesn't act like the other kids do. Why does others' trauma or mistakes challenge our peace of mind? I've been contemplating this. For our Shakespeare in the Park staging of Romeo and Juliet that opens next month, I have added some scene sweeps of bullying, which is a very sad subject that has been in the news a lot of late. As I've contemplated this, I believe it's because those who are bullying struggle to accept themselves and others as multifaceted human beings with complex identities and outlooks. We feel more comfortable when there's a clear line in the sand and everybody stays on their side. But that's silly. There is far more that unites us than divides us. And when we focus on the division as the House of Montague and the Capulets do in the play Romeo and Juliet, it ends badly. And despite that unhappy ending, if you're in NorCal, come and see the show and see play theory and action in real time on stage. You can find the dates at takenotetroop.org. And if you do come, I hope you'll um, let me know that you attended. So something that helps me when I find myself feeling irritated with myself or others, I try to remember that most of us are trying, let me go back, not just most of us, the vast majority of us, and even, I will go so far as to say, all of us, because even when it doesn't look like we're trying, that might be all we can do with what we are struggling through. So try to remember that we are all just doing our best. So lay off the judgment of self and others and lean in with compassion. I promise you won't regret it. Okay, here's our play of the week. I need you to get out your phone and add an event or note, or you can do it the old-fashioned way with a piece of paper and a pencil. And if you're driving, hit pause and listen to this when you're somewhere that you can do this. For the play of the week, I want you to answer the question, I excel at dot, dot, dot. Write something in. There is something that you do excel at. Next question. I need to work on dot, dot, dot. There's something that you can improve on. Next. Something I like about me is dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. Others have told me that I am good at fill in that blank. No one is all black and white. No one is all good or all bad. And the more we can focus on accepting the positive, the more self-acceptance we will feel and the more able we will be to build a better community and society. With practice, you can change your self-image and your outlook. And practice is what we are all about here at the Happiness Playbook. So be sure to tune in next time to get the scoop. And remember, happiness isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you make happen. Happen.